You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and supporting the Black Man with a Gun Show. Universal background checks. Why such a bad idea? Virginia Citizens Defense League, I get a chance to talk to the president, Philip Van Cleve. And he's talking about the Katie Couric fiasco. Armed citizen stories and Michael J. Woodland from MW Tactical is going to talk about trusting your instincts. All this and more coming up next. Blackmanwithagun.com Ken Blanchard's Pro-Gun Podcast. Ah, yeah. It's been quite a week, and thank you for checking in on your brother again. Thank you for listening to the show. Special thanks to those who have sent on pictures. My little photo album is clicking pretty good right now. It's nice to see your faces on here. Makes me smile, looking at you smile back at me. If you haven't sent your photo for my digital photo collection of Black Man with a Gun Urban Shooter listeners, you can just send a JPEG to blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. After John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance, we're going to talk about universal background checks and then get on with an interview with a dynamic person, Philip Van Cleve. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hey, in case you didn't know this, universal background checks are all the rave. All the politicians and all the well-meaning celebrities seem they always want to promote this thing. And it makes it sound when it comes from somebody that you like. That's a good idea. But the truth is, it will not solve the problem of violence in America. Criminals and terrorists will not and do not register their guns. They never have. It is already illegal for them to have them. What the anti-rights people are pushing will only affect you and me, the law-abiding people. This won't save one life. It will only keep good people from being able to own a firearm if they choose to. See, to make this happen, we would have to register every firearm in America. Again, see, we did it already once when we purchased one. But this would be under a different government database they won't be hacked, they won't be stolen, they won't be used by a crazy politician, says who, right? See, it could be used as it, did, as it was in Australia and Great Britain, and they confiscated all the guns they felt that the, quote, common people shouldn't have. But the ruling class, the rich folks, the elite, the people, the special people, are still allowed to have guns. And I won't remind you the historical part about Stalin, took guns away from his citizens in 1929, and then he murdered 20 million of them. Mao Zedong took guns away from his people in 1935, and he he murdered 20 million of his people. Hitler took guns away from his citizens in 1938 and murdered about 13 million of them. Pol Pot took guns away from his people in 1956 and murdered 2 million of them. Unless you know your history, You are doomed to repeat it. I know we've got MP3 players and CD players and DVDs and we've got cell phones that can do amazing things and we are just so far in the future, but we have not updated mankind. There is still evil in the hearts of people. 
Don't think we're that far ahead that we won't go backwards and do something crazy. Only free men can own guns. Slaves cannot. Registration always leads to gun confiscation. Next up, let's talk to Michael J. Woodland. Then we'll do some news, and then we'll get on with our president. How about that? Of the VCDL, Philip Van Cleef. And Mike has a new mic. We might have to turn that thing up a little bit. Go, Mike. Thank you, Ken, and welcome to another tip segment. I am Michael Woodland of m-wtactical.com, and today we're going to discuss trusting your instincts. This is a matter that crosses my path either at work or while training someone on the range. When teaching someone something new and they can't comprehend or understand the operation of the topic, you will get a lot of pushback, whether it be physical or mental. Under stress, your actions go back to the last form of training that you are accustomed to. We all have seen a fighter of some such and would have placed all our chips on this one fighter. Then he gets hit one good time and it looks like he doesn't know how to fight at all. The stress factor kicked in and he forgot all about the advanced techniques that were taught. That might not have been a good comparison, but I think you get the picture. You would be surprised how amazing the human brain operates with the body while shooting. Many moons ago while in basic training, my shot groups were so tight, I was thinking I was a freak of nature compared to the others in my platoon. Bottom line was nothing more than having an understanding that you must trust your instincts. The ability to focus on the front sight post on the M16A2 was the secret. My brain and reticle did the rest. This was proven to me some 15 years later in a computer simulation. Would you believe your eye responds like the lens of a camcorder but better? It is truly amazing how this operates. If you ever happen to take some form of marksmanship class, you will hear the instructor mention something along the lines of mindset. Mindset covers many areas when it comes to shooting that we overlook many avenues when this is concerned. The topic is so large, you can truly dedicate a few hours to a day of training on the topic alone. The best way to work with mindset is to visualize what you want the outcome to be. When you visualize the outcome, you will be perfect every time. The funny thing is that when you visualize something so simple like shooting golf or shooting a basketball, your body cannot determine what is real between the act of and just visualizing. I am not one who believes everything I hear, especially when it comes to shooting. For many years, I put some theories to the test to prove that there is some bad information being spread around. I challenge everyone to do the same, but start with yourself. If you plan on visiting and hanging out with me on 16 June in Flores, Alabama for the premiere of the movie Range 15 and the shooting classes that followed the weekend on 18 June in Huntsville, Alabama, make sure you order your new M-W Tactical Bullet shirt so we can go in with a show of force. If you plan on attending this event, there will be a limited supply of shirts and swag packs available for purchase. Tune in next week as we tackle another area of marksmanship for another tip segment. Visit us on Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical in the search bar, on Twitter at MJWoodland17, and Instagram screen name MJWoodland. If you are interested in chatting with me, do so on Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. 
If you would like for me to come to your function and talk on matters of guns or give a class, call us at 803-250-1256 or email us with your idea. Visit us at www.m-wtactical.com and look at the changes we made to the website, where now you can listen to the current week of the Black Men with the Gun podcast on the website under the media tab. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun. Back to you, Ken. This portion of the show is sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com. Crossbreed Holsters has gained national recognition as a maker of the best and most functional concealment holsters available on the market today. Each holster is handcrafted to ensure your firearm is safe and secure while carrying, combined with the best customer service in the industry. Visit CrossbreedHolsters.com. This portion of the show has been sponsored by Dylan Precision. Reloaders, reloading equipment, bullet reloading, and bullet reloaders. Check out DylanPrecision.com. I have on the line with me Philip Van Cleve, and longtime friend and president, I do believe, of the Virginia Citizens Defense League, founded back in 1994. Um, this is a nonprofit group that has done amazingly well in supporting the right to keep and bear arms. Um, they've been defending the right of people that don't know if they have the right. And Virginia has actually led the way in so many states starting organizations. And it's like a template almost. Philip, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Tell me about the VCDL. Well, we were formed... Uh, late 1994, back at a time when it was up to judges, uh, completely up to them, to issue a concealed carry permit or not. And there were judges in Virginia that wouldn't give permits to women. Some wouldn't give them to men. Some wouldn't give them to minorities. Some wouldn't give them to anybody that wasn't a part of their campaign. Uh, and others gave them to anybody that asked. So it was a hodgepodge. We decided that was just not American. That's not the way the the keeping and bearing arms should be done, dealt out by just some individual at his whim. So in 1995, we got the law changed. Right out of the box, we, we changed the Virginia law to make it where the state had to give you the permit unless the state could show that you shouldn't have one because of criminal uh, history. That's pretty good, dude. But you have yeah, a, it was you, very you, successful. You have to stop there. I mean, there's something that you guys do like monthly since '94. Well, I mean, we, we've been, you know, changing laws uh, in Virginia, and we continue to. Uh, we wiped out all local gun control back in 2004. That was a huge win. We got rid of all the hodgepodge of things that local localities had. You know, one, some of the localities wouldn't let you open carry. Some wouldn't let you carry in their parks. Some wouldn't let you carry here and there in Yon. And uh, one thing or another, and we just wiped it all out, uh, all at once. It was just amazing to see the map just clear off uh, with all those restrictions gone. Um, we've, uh, it's just been uh, a series of things like that. We just got done fixing reciprocity with the governor that we have, a very anti-gun governor. But we managed to pull off um, by combining a couple of bills, uh, two that, three bills actually, two that we you know, really didn't care about uh, that. They really didn't have any negative impacts on gun owners. And one that had a positive, big positive impact, and that was recognizing the permits of all out-of-state, uh, well, the, you know, of all, all other states, I should say, the permits of all other states. 
that will become effective on July 1st. So if you prior had lived in the state that we didn't honor your concealed carry permit, we will starting July 1st. See, that's cool. Because at first when I heard it, I thought, all that work you guys did, and now this governor is going to come in here and just take out all the freedom that we had. But um, but no, you guys took him to task. That was really cool. Yeah, we've kept him. He has. There was no change, no negative change in gun control. All, all, gosh, I think the last time we really lost something at all was back in 2004, and even that uh, was just carrying inside an airport terminal. Uh, the, the non-secure area, like if you're going in to buy a ticket, we, we can't do that. And we can carry up to the building. We just can't go in now. And eventually we plan to get that back. Uh, so that was about it. So the other side hasn't had much to cheer for, uh, since, uh, you know, the, the, the 1990s. Are you a judge or a lawyer or something? How, how are you doing this stuff, man? Well, no, no. Actually, I I have a computer software company, but um, no, I learned. I had a, had a massive learning lesson when I got into the organization, and uh, I became president in two thousand and one, uh, and and a vice president for three years. And I really used those three years as a massive learning thing. And uh, oh, it was a great it was a great organization. Uh, it's always been that way, you know. Good people in there. I had plenty of lawyers giving me advice. I learned the laws. And for when it comes to gun laws, I know I'm pretty much inside and out here in Virginia. So, uh, yeah, I've been asked that many times if I'm a lawyer. That's just, it's just uh, osmosis. I absorbed it from being around enough lawyers. Yeah, but we still like you. <laughs> <laughs> How many folks are in the VCDO? Hey, we have 62, uh, well, 6,300, almost 6,400 now. Um, and, uh, we have another 28,000 that monitor our free email alert system called VA alert, uh, something on our website, vcdl.org that people can sign up for. You just put your email in there and you're on the list and it keeps people apprised of everything dealing with guns, uh, especially focused on Virginia, but occasionally things will crop up that's going on that we think our members need to know. Maybe it's something happening in Minnesota. But if it looks like it's something of, of, of importance to us, either it has implications down the road, good or bad, uh, or just a lesson to be learned, uh, then we share that too. So uh, people really like it. It's, it stays focused on guns. We, we don't care about any other issue. Just guns is what our organization is about. And consequently, we have members from across the political spectrum, um, all races, religions, as long as you are, your concern is firearms, and you want to be, a, and you're a gun owner, you're you're on our list, and and that's what we're looking for. What lessons would you pass on to new groups that are starting trying to do stuff in their country, their city, their state? Well, I, I recommend. I think that our policy of being focused completely on guns and not getting sidetracked with any other issue is a smart one. Uh, I think that's. Uh, because that, that brings together a coalition. You know, we're not Republican. We're not white. We're, I mean, you know, I'm just saying we're not. That's not the foundation, uh, a skin color or, um, or uh, religion or whether you care about abortion or don't care about abortion. Sure, we all have our feelings about, all, about, about abortion and a lot of other political issues. But we're, uh, you know, that's, that's not a part of this group. If people are worried about such things as abortion, there's other groups that they can go to either pro or con 
and take care of whatever they feel over there. Uh, so, yeah, you, you need to, you need to be um, that way about it. Bring bring make it the biggest tent you can have. Let's bring in all Americans because our right our, our right to live um, surpasses everything else. All of our other uh, beliefs. Uh, so. Um, that would be one piece of advice Two um, is to, uh, be polite, but firm in dealing with, uh, with the government. Uh, you know, you, you have a mission and that is to protect the right to keep and bear arms. And, um, and by being both polite, but, but also extremely firm, you can get the job done and done in a way again, that a lot of people can respect. I like that. Lobby Day. Lobby Day comes out every year, and you guys have a nice show. What, what is that, actually, for those who don't know? Uh, Lobby Day is actually, by the way, it's on Martin Luther King's birthday every year, third Monday in, in January. I think it's the 16th coming up in 2017. And um, it's a day when we get as many gun owners as we can down to the General Assembly. We put them into groups, large groups, and they go into the General Assembly, which, by the way, in, in Virginia, if a concealed handgun permit, you can carry in our General Assembly. Uh, anyhow, we send, them, uh, we send them in in teams, and they cover different legislators, because we have 140 different legislators. Uh, and uh, they go around and lobby. They, they hand out, every year I compile a list of all the documents, up, uh, I'm sorry, of all the bills in one single document, that have been introduced on guns up to Lobby Day. Uh, sometimes a few more will trickle in, but by the time Lobby Day hits, 98% of the gun bills are in there. So we have a, they go around in these teams and they hand this document over to each of the various legislators. And it gives a summary of the gun bills, how they should look at them, what, you know, whether it's a good bill or a bad bill, and, you know, basically how we want them to vote on it. And they love getting that generally. Uh, with the exception of a few of the antis, uh, the, most of them like it because they've got thousands of bills to deal with. And a lot of them don't know that much about guns, you know, not, not in great detail. And this helps them because then they can look and see what the, what the bill does in plain English and the effect it would have on gun owners, good or bad. So uh, and it, this really works. We had 1,200 people there last year. You know, we had a rally outside we do every year at 11 o'clock we have a rally and we you know we had legislators you know piling on top of each other to address that large huge crowd of people um so it does work and that like this year with the 1200 people there and god knows how many didn't show up because it was cold really cold that day a lot of people didn't they, they lobbied but then they left they didn't want to stand outside for the rally so we, we you know we think we could have easily had 1800 but um the um the net effect was what we did this year. We, we got a major pro-gun bill passed, and no, nothing we considered to be an anti-gun bill even made it out of a single body of the House. In fact, I don't know that any of theirs even made it out of committee. So uh, it was a crushing blow on their side. Meanwhile, we landed eight pro-gun bills on the governor's desk. He vetoed, I think, three of those or four, and the rest of them, uh, got signed in. The rest were weaker. They weren't real strong, but they did get on his desk. The other side didn't even come close to getting them on his desk. So uh, you got two battles to fight. And the other thing I would tell organizations looking to do what we do is number one, you've got to be on the offense. Don't just play defense. Because if you just play defense, 
they only have to score a goal every now and then, and they're going to move the ball, the ball in, 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 you know, against you. Uh, if you're on the offense, if they don't have the luxury of just sitting there and throwing things at you, they've got to defend themselves against things that are coming their way. And that distracts them from their mission of pushing what they want to do. And instead they're having to fight what you want to do. And again, every time one of our balls gets through, we score a goal. So uh, that's, you've got to be very aggressive in putting out pro-gun bills and pushing for them, not just standing still and thinking you're going to bat back their balls. No, forget that. We've got to move the ball forward. We've got to get rid of the gun control that got on the books uh, all these years. I mean, it started as a way of controlling slavery. It's got a shameful history. This stuff, gun control is about control. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just something that I, I think a lot of black people don't even appreciate in other minorities. The fact this was there to control them. This is all the more frustrating that we don't have more black members. We have some, but we don't have as nearly as many, nowhere representative of their percentage, nor other, nor other minorities either. And it surprises me. I would think, and I, I'm white, and I, I would think, you know, if I, was, if I was black, that would be the one thing I would push for, would be to say, you know, what happened to my ancestors simply isn't going to happen to me or my, my family or future generations. I'm going to be able to protect myself against that. And I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping at some point uh, more people will wake up to the importance of this and, and stop living in the fantasy that things could never happen again um, in the world. Uh, things go in cycles and the world I'm looking at is awfully strange right now. I, I, don't, I don't think if I was literally just picked up and dropped here from the 60s, I don't think I would recognize the world. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. for real. Hey, you guys just hit some television, did some uh, some Katie Couric type stuff. What happened with that? Oh, yeah. Well, Katie approached, uh, well, it was actually her second in command approached me, but approached me for Katie and said, well, we want to do a um, documentary. So, you know, would you guys be willing to provide, you know, pro-gun side of that? And um, we said, yeah, sure. You know, so. I, I had a, a meeting and they, they, they set up in Virginia to, to film me. And so we spent two hours, uh, you know, doing a videotape between Katie Kirk and I, and, uh, I guess they also got John Lott, uh, to do a, a video as well for four hours. And, um, all of that hit the cutting room floor. They they came back. Before, I didn't know it had hit the cutting room floor, and they they came back and said, "Well, by the way, can we do a group of people uh, from VCDL?" And I said, "Sure." What I didn't realize at the time was is that they really they didn't find anything in my interview or John Locke that they could use to twist to make it seem like we were either crazy or uh, you know this is an example of why, you know our arguments were just bad that the gun control was the answer. So when they asked for the group. Uh, we put them together and they interviewed them for two hours. Um, it was a similar situation for them, even talking to nine gun owners. And I was excluded from that group because they said, Oh, well, you know, we've already interviewed you. So we don't, we want different people. So all right. And, um, again, I, I don't think she had much to work with there. Uh, everybody gave solid reasoned answers to every question she asked the group. And so what she ended up doing was it was actually amazing she in order i think out of desperation 
to get something looking like we had to admit that like universal background checks were the answer to the to all ills of the world, she actually cut out answers that we gave, showed video of people sitting there just for eight or nine, ten seconds, staring around, looking down, looking like after she asked the question, you know, if we didn't have background checks, how would we stop felons from getting guns? You know, we had no answer if you looked at the at the actual movie. She, we were just sitting there looking down and looking, uh, you know, yeah. And yet there were answers. There were pl- the answers came out right away. The thing that goofed them up was that we had audio. I had audio of all of my entire interview that I had, <laughs> and we had audio of that entire interview. So we had the proof of what they did. Then they started tap dancing. Oh, well, we just put in a pause so that people could consider the question. Well, wait a minute. And that wasn't just a pause. Not only was it like eight, eight to ten seconds, you never gave the answer. All you did was show our members sitting there looking dumbfounded by a very basic question on background checks. That there was no answer ever given. She's calling it a pause, which makes people think, oh, you know, you just stretched out their answer. No. And this is the, the deceit went on with these people. Not only did they call something a pause that wasn't actually a pause, it was meant to be the answer. That pause wasn't to consider the question. That pause was to let people stare at the screen and look at these idiots that didn't have an answer that were, that were looking at the floor and everywhere else. Where she got that video to show you how dishonest these people are, where she got that video is once they finally said, okay, well, that's a wrap. We're, we're done with the, with the, the interview. They said, we need everybody to sit dead still. Don't make any noise while we record the background noise in this room so that we can then clean that out of the, the actual uh, interview. Yeah, yeah. And so everybody's sitting there dead quiet, can't make a move. So what do you do when you're in a situation like that, let's say in an elevator, do you sit there and stare at everybody in the elevator? No, nobody wanted to, nobody wanted to stare at the camera or stare at anybody else. So you don't know what to do with your eyes. So you look down, you look away, you look up, you do something. Wow. And in that they saw, the perfect cutaway to that question to twist the answer to look like they had us cold, that we didn't have an answer on how to keep felons from getting guns. So they were caught in that, and they uh, it was just amazing. And then in turn, uh, that caused a massive uproar. I mean, huge. Uh, the only people that didn't cover that were the, were the major television networks, MS, NBC, ABC, CBS. They were all, you know, whistling, whistling. Uh, looking the other way or, or had their fingers in their ears going, la, 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 la. Well, the rest of the media <laughs> pounded Katie and uh, CNN ordered its people. He, the guy that owns CNN is good friends with Katie. He ordered them not to cover it on the air. Wow. And they finally ended up towards the end. But I mean, basically the, the, the mainstream media looked like idiots because they were missing everything that was going on. And even liberal media was pounding. I mean, she had no friends. It's, it's because anybody that would have gone to her rescue, the magnifying glass would have gone on them. Oh, so Mrs. Reporter, you think what Katie did was okay. Huh, that's interesting. Maybe we need to look at what you've been doing since you don't have any issues, uh, you know, either morally or as a journalist. 
with basically doing something that would have made Joseph Goebbels happy back in the Hitler times. Straight propaganda. Yes, that's what he specialized in. I'm sure he was smiling at this. It's just it didn't work. Mm. And if you're going to gamble and do this propaganda stuff, understand that if you if something goes wrong, like it did in the case of Katie, it's going to blow up in your face. It makes anybody salty the next time somebody asked, can they be on camera? You just can't trust it unless you're the one behind it. Well, record your interviews. I tell people, record your interviews. You know, that's, that's an important thing to do, and that way you've got your backup. If nothing happens, the interview turns out fair. Even if they just cut the, a couple of answers you had that weren't very good, that's fine. You said them, you own them. But if they try to change your words and change the implication, uh, maybe cut a sentence in such a way that it no longer means what it means. I mean, give you an idea. Katie, she finally issued an apology. She buried it on a website. And in there, supposedly, it was the full transcript of that question and answer that, that, that got her in trouble. But even then, she couldn't post the whole thing. She cut it off at a little over a minute. She cut it off and cut it off at an odd spot that, again, made us look uh, like we, you know, we were, we were being foolish because the, the rest of the answer to what the person said came right after that, and that was cut off and gone. So even then, she just couldn't drag herself to have us show that universal background checks don't work. Um, you know, one of the comments I remember said was, look at Illinois. They've got universal background checks. They've got gun registration. Do we want to have, like Chicago has, two to three Virginia Tech-sized massacres every weekend? Is that what we want for the rest of America? She didn't want that in there. You know, and then and a bunch of other comments. She just didn't want that. Um, and and her, her zeal to push a gun control agenda overrode her own uh, knowledge of what's acceptable journalism in the United States of America. Mm. That's all right, man. Good, good job on that. Yeah. And somebody said, well, how does this affect other things that she said? How does it affect the rest of the movie? Right. I said, well, if you bring a bowl of punch to a party and somebody walks up and puts a drop of urine in it, just one drop, not, not much, just a drop. Is that going to taint the punch bowl? Are people going to want to drink from that punch bowl? Ooh. Well, uh, I, yeah. I mean, that's the net effect of that, not only on, on that film, but it makes you look back on her, uh, on her whole career. Where else has this happened? The people just haven't been in a position to, uh, to have had proof of what was done. I mean, do you think we'd be having this discussion if I didn't have proof? Right, they would just right. say, oh, well, that's not how we remember it. Oh, yeah, well, then, then, then turn over your copy, uh, Katie, of the whole thing. Oh, no, we, you know, we, don't, we don't do that. So you would have no proof of what you said. It would just be your word against theirs. Most of the media would yawn and roll their eyes and walk away. But this changed everything. And it was just a matter of, I, I wish, I wish we'd had a camera of our own set up uh, and, and got actual video along with the audio. I think that would have even been more impressive because then we could have actually showed where she got her audio. I know where she got it at the very end. Um, because for a while that bothered me. I thought, where has she got, where did she pull that up where we have those people sitting around? And then all of a sudden the light went off. 
And I said, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. I know exactly. I have no doubt. It's over. I know where she got it. And, uh, you know. How can folks join the VCDL, my man? Just uh, go to VCDL, as in Virginia Citizens Defense League, dot org, like an organization, vcdl.org. The top is uh, you can join up there, click, and you can use a credit card or PayPal if you wish and join us. Uh, or you can print out a form and write a check and drop it in the mail to us. Uh, get on our free VA alert. Put your email in there. It's all it takes, two seconds, and you're on that list. And you will love it uh, if, you, if you enjoy guns at all. And you'll learn a lot. We put information about laws up there. Tell you what, I, I love watching it when our, when our members occasionally get interviewed. I represent the group. But occasionally a member will just get interviewed as a gun owner. And uh, you can sure tell. These guys know what they're doing. They've been through this. They've been well-educated because of, of alert, the alert. And going to our meetings, our meetings are just as educational. We have them in Northern Virginia every month. And we have them around the state uh, at various times. Um, so um, uh, they, they're very knowledgeable, and that really helps in these interviews. Uh, the other side wants us to come across as a, as a bunch of Neanderthals, and we're anything but that. Truth. Hit them with the facts, man. That's right. Yeah, and they, they, they can't handle it. They can, you know, it's like the movie, you know, you can't <laughs> handle the truth. That's what I tell them. You know, they just can't handle it. And they do, you know, they do what Katie's done. They, they twist and turn and um, they'll jump on some, something that to anything to try to discredit you as a person, not your ideas. They, they just, they'll twist statistics. It goes, this goes on and on. It's sad, but this is a desperation because things have not been going good or well, I should say, for the other side. They um, they've been pretty much on a losing battle. They, they thought when Obama came in that, oh boy, this was, you know, everything was going to dramatically change now. And uh, they still don't get it. Americans don't want to. In fact, if anything, gun ownership is now soaring. Uh, gun sales have never been so high as they have been under Obama. Uh, and uh, that's because he was, he was talking about and threatening to take away some of our rights. Uh, and, but Hillary, Hillary has made that him look like uh, a choir boy uh, because she's really coming in on a gun control platform. He talked about gun control, but he, you know, he also didn't talk about it a lot. She has made it a key cornerstone of her platform. And that's something gun owners had best consider because she's dead serious. And we've never had anybody quite like her if she gets in. And on that note, I'm going to let it go. <laughs> thank you, Philip. Okay, thank you. All right, man. Have safe travel, and Appreciate thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, Ken. Appreciate it. All right. You have a good day. You too, my man. This portion of the show has been brought to you by the United States Concealed Carrying Association. The USCCA has been providing education, training, and self-defense insurance to responsibly armed Americans since 2003. Join Tim Schmidt and myself here at usconcealedcarry.com. Direct from our newsroom in Washington, in color. Armed Citizen Stories. For episode number 477. Man stabs woman in Koreatown, then gets shot, killed by her boyfriend. From Melissa McBride, abc7.com staff. Koreatown, Los Angeles. A stranger stabbed a woman 
in a secured underground parking garage in Koreatown, according to police. Then authorities said the woman's boyfriend shot and killed the attacker. Los Angeles police responded to the 600 block of South Barrendo Street at about 5.30 p.m. for an assault with a deadly weapon call. Officials said a woman who was in a secured underground parking garage was attacked by a stranger, suffering a stab wound. Police stated that the man was hiding behind a car and waited for the woman before attacking her. The woman's boyfriend then shot and killed the man, according to police. Officials said the suspect was taken to the hospital where he died from his injuries. Authorities said the boyfriend who shot the suspect was taken in for questioning. The woman was taken to the hospital and police said she was expected to survive. Details can be found on the website for this link. Next story. Medical marijuana dispensary manager shoots armed robbers clad in mask, body armor. From Leo Stallworth, Walnut Park, California. That's Walnut Park, California. The manager of a medical marijuana dispensary in Walnut Park opened fire on two armed men after he said the suspects tried to rob him. The incident occurred around 10.40 p.m. Tuesday, the week of June 8, 2016, in a 2400 block of Florence Avenue, according to the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. The store manager told Eyewitness News that the suspects barged into his business clad in body armor with their faces covered, pointing assault rifles at him. The manager said he had no other choice but to grab his handgun and shoot at the suspects, firing at least 10 shots in self-defense. Jasmine Chavez, who lives just behind the business, said when she came out of her house a short time after the shooting, she saw the suspects being wheeled into an ambulance. She then talked to the manager of the business. His reaction was, wow, like luckily to be alive, Chavez described. He's like, I had to do what I had to do to save my life and his employees there as well. Local resident Hector Martinez, who has worked at a marijuana dispensary as a security guard, says the owners of such businesses usually have security guards around all the time. A lot of money is kept inside, and that's why they always hire guards and actually have to escort people with that amount of money out so they don't get robbed, Martinez said. Authorities said that both suspects were taken to the hospital to be treated for gunshot wounds, though their exact conditions were not immediately released. The investigation was ongoing. Two teens shot, killed, and attempted break-in of a Springport Township home by Nathan Clark. Springport Turnpike, Michigan. Two 18-year-old Jackson County men are dead following a shooting at Springport Township early Wednesday morning, according to police. The shooting occurred at approximately 6.50 a.m. June 8th in the 13,000 block of Town Road in Springport Township, Springport Police Chief Dave Luce said. The names of the men are not being released at this time, but Luce said they were shot by a person in the residence in what appears to be an apparent break-in at the home. No arrests have been made, Luce said, but police remain on the scene of the incident and investigation is ongoing. Stay tuned for further updates. And here's a story you don't hear every day. Enola Sisters set a trap for burglars, hold suspects at gunpoint. Rogers County, Oklahoma. Burglars got more than they bargained for when they returned to the same house within 24 hours. Rogers County Sheriff's Office deputies said the burglars broke into a mobile home on Sunday, and when they returned, they found two sisters, one with a gun, one with a knife, waiting for them. One sister held them at gunpoint while the other called 911. Deputies said the burglars broke the lock to the garage of the mobile home 
which is being remodeled, and stole tiles, power tools, and a travel trailer. They also jimmied windows and the backsliding door, which is why the ladies camped out and waited. When the women held the three suspects at gunpoint, one of the burglars jumped out of the window. The guy that bailed out the window kept etching closer and closer. He left his accomplices just sitting there, said Deputy Jerry Smittle with the Rogers County Sheriff's Department. He said the accomplices, Chris Abraham and Molly Eddington, are now facing several charges. Deputies said the guy who jumped, Robert Johnson, had a long criminal history, is a sex offender, and a suspect he's connected to a number of thefts in the area. Smittle said, This is all he knows to do, all he can do, so as soon as we could get him wrapped up, the better. Deputies recovered the truck the three suspects drove to the home. They said it was stolen from Tulsa, and they had replaced his tag with the one from the stolen travel trailer. Deputies applaud the woman's bravery, also worrying about their safety. Smittle says, we prefer people will let us do it, but I totally understand. It's their right to defend their property. Lori, but they're risking a lot. Smittle, they're risking a lot. It could have gone south quick. Deputies are actively looking for Johnson, so if you know where you can where they are, you can call Rogers County Sheriff's tip line at 918-341-3620. Rogers County Sheriff's tip line, 918-341-3620. Man shot by ex-girlfriend, now in jail. This is from Oregon. A cave junction man went to the hospital, went from the hospital to the Josephine County Jail Monday after being shot by his ex-girlfriend on Friday. That's crazy. Let me read that again. A cave junction man went from the hospital to the Josephine County Jail Monday after being shot by his ex-girlfriend Friday. So that's Cave Junction, Oregon. According to a news release from Oregon State Police, Mark Jordan, 55, tried to force his way into his ex-girlfriend's house off BB Drive in rural Josephine County, several miles outside of Cave Junction. So she shot him in the upper leg and held him at gunpoint until police arrived. Police took Jordan to Three Rivers Medical Center in Grants Pass for non-life-threatening injuries Friday. When Jordan was released from the hospital Monday, he was arrested and taken to the Josephine County Jail, where he was booked for first-degree burglary. And our final piece comes from Dana Loesch. Under the gun, but above the truth. NRA News Commentator. Katie Couric and director Stephanie Sostig are under fire for their anti-gun propaganda film, Under the Gun. The pair stand accused of deceptively editing interviews with at least one subject, the Virginia Citizens Defense League. In the final product, Couric asks the group a question on background checks, and the camera cuts to their reaction. Nine seconds of silence and confused looks. Watch. Let me ask you another question. If there are no background checks for gun purchasers. How do you prevent felons or terrorists from purchasing a gun? Unfortunately for Couric, the group is savvy and they anticipated the unprofessional behavior and recorded their entire interview. In the audio, Couric asks her question and the group promptly responds with polite, concise answers, none of which made it into the film. Listen to the difference for yourself. If there are no 
background checks for gun purchasers. How do you prevent felons or terrorists from walking into, say, a licensed gun dealer and purchasing a gun? Well, one, if, if you're not in jail, you should still have your basic rights. This intentionally misleading edit was a deceptive tactic used by Couric and Sostig to manipulate the viewer into thinking badly of the pro-Second Amendment group. The Washington Post panned the edit, and Sostig was forced into offering this non-apology. Quote, my intention was to provide a pause for the viewer to have a moment to consider this important question before presenting the facts on Americans' opinions on background checks. Sostig also told Howard Kurtz, quote, I never intended to make anyone look bad, and I apologize if anyone felt that way. As a director, she didn't realize that editing out a thoughtful, thorough answer to Couric's question on background checks by replacing it with awkward silence from her interviewees would make them look bad. Don't expect a real apology from Couric either. She released a statement of her own, quote, I support Stephanie's statement and am very proud of the film. Sostig also conducted a four-hour interview with researcher John Lott, none of which was used for the film, likely because Lott countered their questions too well. I spoke with Philip Van Cleve of the Virginia Citizens Defense League, and he was also interviewed for two additional hours without other members of the group, all of which also ended up on the cutting room floor. Van Cleve said that the silence shown in lieu of the group's answers was actually when the production crew asked for silence so they could get the ambient noise for post-production purposes. Epics, the new network already rocked now by accusations of deception, released their own statement. Quote, Under the Gun is a critically acclaimed documentary that looks at the polarizing and politicized issue of gun violence, a subject that elicits strong reactions from people on both sides. Epic stands behind Katie Couric, director Stephanie Sostig, and their creative and editorial judgment. We encourage people to watch the film and decide for themselves. Yeah, give them your views so they can sell advertising first. Couric promoted the anti-gun film on The Daily Show, repeating talking points from the gun control lobby, such as... 74% of NRA members favor universal background checks. Hmm. Seen as NRA membership isn't public, it is truly a feat of movie magic for that to have actually been credibly surveyed. The number actually comes from a push poll ordered by Michael Bloomberg, which asked vague questions about criminals and guns and gave those polled zero information on current gun laws. The NRA did its own survey of real NRA members, which yielded opposite results. Couric also parroted that long disproven gun control talking point that 40% of gun purchases are done without a background check. This was exactly what Sostig told The Guardian in an earlier interview. She said, quote, the first thing I learned that you've got to be kidding me is that 40% of guns in this country are bought without a background check. Hmm. Sostig went on to say that the NRA is duping its members, but really, it's Sostig who is duping viewers. That 40% number she's reciting as gospel is from a pre-Brady law survey of barely 250 gun owners who were asked how they obtained their firearm. 
hardly accurate in 2016 or representative of the millions of gun owners in America. Parroting lines from Bloomberg's gun control groups may not be the only collusion between the under-the-gun director and Bloomberg. Bloomberg also financed Sostig's previous film, an excerpt from the New York Times. Quote, Fed up from Atlas Films, a production company started in 2008 so a friend, Stephanie Sostig, could make documentaries. Along with Ms. Couric and his wife, it was produced by the environmental activist Laurie David. Ms. David's former husband, Larry David, helped with the financing, as did the New York Giants quarterback Eli Manning and the former New York mayor, Michael R. Bloomberg, who was interviewed in the film along with Bill Clinton. It's only natural to ask whether or not Bloomberg funded Sostig's anti-gun documentary, too. Bottom line, this isn't a documentary. It's an anti-gun propaganda film presented as one. When you resort to purposefully omitting intelligent points and fabricating percentages to support your crumbling anti-gun narrative, you're losing and losing big. And that's our news for this week. If you like the show, please consider being a patron. That means you actually are supporting the podcast. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Black Man with a Gun. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Thank you so much for those who have supported the show all this time. You making a difference. If you like the show, please leave us a positive review. Check us out at BlackManOnTheGun.com. Consider sending me a photo so that I can look at your smiling face in my office. And it just makes the show better because I can look at you and, and cheese right back at you. Thank you for what you do. You keep me going, and I'm trying to keep the nation going as well. This show is for the cool people in the gun community, and everybody doesn't get it, but you do. I want to thank Philip Van Cleve and the entire Virginia Citizens Defense League for doing what they do. They're amazing. Got a couple of projects coming down the line that might be a little bit different, but I want to really get involved in just helping the country out. I'll let you know what that's about when it breaks. If you have any questions for me, feel free to send me an email to blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook, on Twitter, and wherever on the web. I am your friend and your brother, Ken Blanchard. And just in case nobody has told you this today, I love you. And there's not a darn thing you can do about it. Until we meet, until we speak, until I read about you on the web. Shalom, baby. Until next time, friends. To keep in touch with Ken and his cause, head over to blackmanwithagun.com. 